This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the Garden Show, Frank Proctor here. Good morning, everybody. And Charlie, good morning Good to you. morning, Franklin. Hi, David. Mr. Gaskin in there. Yep. Looking bright and... Chipper, uh, chipper. on this yeah. sunny Saturday morning. Well, hey, it's, you know, the weather incredibly so, huh? For this time of year, we're on to the 12th of November. We call this kind of weekend a gift. Yes, yeah. Us gardeners. <laughs> we gardeners. Yes. And we, I am that's a we, we yes. <laughs> I know you're going there. Oh, dear. Uh, no, but it, it's a mm. gorgeous weekend to be out. You know, a few things that still need to be cleaned up in preparation yeah. for winter. I know I have, you know, still leaves dropping out of my local neighbor's Norway maple that still need to be dealt with. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, neighbor's local huge honking <laughs> Norway maple. So, yeah, always a few more things to do. So, great. I'm so happy for this weekend. This is perfect. Well, listen, we want to hear from folks uh, about your gardening problems or solutions. A lot of time uh, listeners have some very good tips to pass along. So uh, whether it's a tip or a question, hey, uh, by all means, give us a ring. Number in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll free, 1-866-744-740. And the mantra is... Call early, call often, one question per call. There you go. Oh, my, you're smooth. I know. <laughs> smooth, I, Frank. I bathed with pumice stone. I am so smooth. Okay, we yeah. won't tell everybody that you woke up an hour early by oh, mistake either. yeah, I know. That's I why you had time to don't... bathe with a pumice stone. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot to change his clock from yeah, last week. Dear. Okay, no problem. So a couple things, uh, updates and events. Tomorrow. The Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society, which is a title of a society you always enjoy, they will be meeting from 1.30 to 4 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Gardens in the Floral Hall. Remember that all society meetings, and in this case particularly, it's a free and open meeting. Everybody's welcome to participate. The presentation is by Russell Stafford. He's, his um, presentation is called Geophytes for Different Garden Habitats. Hmm. Okay, so you're supposed, what's a geophyte? <laughs> I was, uh, was going to say, gee, what's a geophyte? Good question, because I didn't know either. So a geophyte is a perennial plant with an underground food storage organ, such as a bulb, a tuber, a corm, or a rhizome. The parts of the plant that grow above ground die away during adverse conditions, as in winter or during the dry season, and grow again from buds that are on it or within the underground portion when conditions improve. So that's a bit of a long-winded definition, but Gee, bottom line, <laughs> crocuses, tulips yeah. are examples of geophytes. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, just so you know, Russell, the speaker, mm. is referred to as a hortaholic and plant evangel- evangelist who specializes in native and obscure plants. So he sounds fun. 
Speaking of flat evangelist, I know that's good. Probably eh? takes collection during his speeches. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> Does a lot of hallelujahs. So, uh, also mark on your calendar for this Monday the Agent Court Garden Club's monthly meeting from eight to ten p.m. at Knox United Christian Education Center, two five seven five Midland Avenue in Agent Court. Mm-hmm. The subject is Christmas containers, and this will be presented by a speaker from Sheridan Nurseries. There is so much going on at the Toronto Botanical Gardens this week. I don't have enough time in the next 52 minutes to tell you about all the different events. Maybe and their website would be a handy thing for folks to go to. Good point. The website is Toronto Botanical Garden, all one word, dot C-A, and you can see what's happening. It's nonstop. Like, yeah. you know, everybody from the Pelargonium Society to the St. Paulia Society, which is, of course, African violets. Of um, course. <clears throat> I knew you knew that. Uh, okay. I don't... Ha- we'll get to my homework. Remember, I had some yes. homework. We'll get to that later. But I do want to just share with you something kind of cute that happened. Remember last week, I mentioned that the Riverdale Hort Society was having a speaker named James Graham. And then oh, at the yeah, end yeah, of the yeah, show, yeah. the president of the Riverdale Hort Society called Heather Sinopoli and said, I'm looking for James. I can't find him. If anybody knows where he is. <laughs> anyway, it turns out he was listening to the show. So, hi, James. I imagine he's listening again. And hi, Heather. Everybody it all worked out. <laughs> James got, got a hold of Heather. Yeah. James showed up for his speaking engagement on Wednesday. So that was all really good. And it was cute because uh, James sent me an email and he said he was really, you know, surprised to hear himself being referred to on the radio and gave me the whole story. But what turned out was that a bunch of people followed up with James and said, James, you are MIA. Get <laughs> on it. Exactly. Get so he said he had calls from Preston, Waterloo, and as far away as the outskirts of Blythe. So no he kidding. said people are listening. So I think what we'll do is we're going to, um, can't do it today, but perhaps next week or, or the week after, get James on the show because he's very fun. He's got a lot to say about the importance of horticultural societies and why everybody can enjoy and benefit and and share in the in the fun of a horticultural society and, well, that's good. and yeah. what the you know the, the the kind of cool things they do so we'll get him on here to do a little promo on hort societies because he's very good excellent okay right. we've got uh, a 9 11 showing up on the clock there this is the garden show it is charlie dobbins garden show i am simply the sushi well said thank you and we shall <laughs> <laughs> we shall return after these messages You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Well, Charlie, we're going to welcome someone from Toronto to the line right now. Rochelle, good morning. Yes, good morning. I have such a funny story. Uh, We we just got a new fence put up, Mm -hmm. and it was along what I consider to be a an important garden, and in the putting up of the fence, mm-hmm. two clematis have now disappeared. They were still green, you know, yeah. of course, because it, uh, we haven't had the killing frost yet. And I see no trace of them whatsoever. I said, treat the garden as if it were your mother's garden. Mm-hmm. So they carefully turned every bit of soil over and and patted it down nicely. <laughs> And the clematis is just not, it's not anymore. So if they didn't pull anything up, mm-hmm. and, and I'm assured that they didn't pull anything up, will these clematis come back in the spring having had this uh, 
early pruning. Yeah. Early burial, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Early winter. Yeah. But you know what? Probably. I know I've had the same thing happen where you've got an existing fence with existing vines on it and you put in a new fence. Well, of course, you peel the vines off the old fence. Meanwhile, the workers are in there putting up the new fence and then you try and affix or, you know, put it back onto the new fence. And it can be a little tricky. But if they're pretty well established, healthy clematis, it's mm-hmm. very likely that the roots will stay will live through this whole process and emerge from the ground to more next spring. Okay, I'm laughing because I don't want to cry. It's just Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> no, they're very likely going to be still there. I mean, you know roughly where they are. Right? Yes. And, of course, you asked everybody to not step in that area. So that's sort of the main thing is to just have, have uh, the, the roots. If the clematis are pretty tough, they're likely to, to pop through again come spring. Okay. All right. Let us know. Give us a call. Let us know whether you see them next spring. You feel better now, Rochelle? Yes. I'm Now I Good. have to find out about the hostel, but I'll email Charlie. Okay. okay. Or you can call again later. <laughs> Thanks, Rochelle. Thank you very much. Okay. Nine fifteen. Boy, she really was broken up about I that. I think so. Well, yeah. you know, people get pretty, you know, they yeah. love their plants. And, and a clematis, uh, one plant that I do know is is the clematis. We had really? some when we had the house uh, out the back uh, part of the house with uh, climbing on a... Um, what do you call it? Um, a fence? Uh, An no, arbor? No, uh, a pergola? Yeah. Yeah. Arbor. Arbor. Yeah. Cool. But I knew what it was. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was, that was can, the most important you thing. You can visualize yes. this plant when you hear the name. Yeah. That's good. I can understand why she, she'd be upset about that. Well, yeah. But you know what? I, I can give you an example. I planted a clematis this past spring, mm-hmm. so clearly not well-established, just newly planted. And with all the dry and the heat, it was under an overhang and it didn't get much water and it all kind of shriveled up and appeared to have died. And I thought, oh, that's too bad. That was a, kind of a nice plant. So I started specifically watering it in July or August after it had kind of disappeared yeah. off the face of the earth and it all sprouted back again from the root. So, you know, that's a, a good ending to that story and I'm sure Rochelle will have the exact same experience. We hope so. Okay. Hey, let's talk to Peggy and Mount Hope. Good morning, Peggy. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. How are you this morning? Great. Great. How are you? Very well, thank you. I really enjoy your show. I listen every Saturday morning. Wonderful. I have, I call it an asparagus fern. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what the botanical name is. I put it out on the front porch through the summer, and it just grows beautifully. And then, of course, I have to bring it in. And now it's dropping all its little, they look, almost look like pine needles, but they're all over it. Okay, yeah, so I'm just trying to, yeah, because there's one, the one we usually refer to as asparagus fern is very, very soft and, and almost fuzzy. Yes, uh, that, that's kind of what this looks like, but uh, on each little branch, they look like, almost yeah. like leaves on, or, you know, the pine needles. Yeah, yeah, they're, they are, like, that's so often what fern ne- you know, leaves are, they're just narrow little little leaves, so narrow that they look like needles. Mm-hmm. So you're finding that a lot of it is turning yellow since you brought it in. Yes, and it's just dropping all over, so I don't know whether I should trim it back or what I should do with it. Do you notice that the dropping leaves or dropping needles are more from the tips or from the inside of the plant? Um, some of the fronds, I'll call them fronds, mm-hmm. start right um, in the middle of the plant and all the way out, and so they're dropping all the way on the whole little frond, mm-hmm. whatever you call it. Yeah, yeah, or branch, whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so 
what I would do is, okay, a couple things happen when we bring plants inside. And you obviously know this, is that they're outside, the light levels are so much higher. Even if we have them in a shady spot outside, the light levels are so much higher than when we bring them inside because of our glazes and our UV stabilizers in our glass of our windows. And often we have curtains and shears and all that sort of thing going on as well. So get that plant into the brightest, sunniest spot you can as soon as you can and leave it there uh, for at least two weeks and if you need to bring it into a lower light spot in your in your home do that slowly so start it in the brightest spot and slowly move it into its overwintering permanent spot okay. if it's not that spot the other thing is obviously be careful with your watering only water as required plants use less water indoors than they do outdoors again because of the light levels the growth slows down with your fingers, with even a pair of gloves on, give the, the um, comb the plant to get some of the yellow out. Okay. Once you've done that, you will see whether it's appropriate to trim. Because you're right, if an entire frond has died right back to the root, then yes, trim it out just to clean up what's going on. So that, but if it's just a few little yellow needles are coming off, allow the, you know don't trim off anything green is the okay. bottom line. But do trim off anything that is clearly you know dead right back down to the to the crown by trimming that stuff off, by opening it, by cleaning it, by getting that light in there, you should see some new little sprouts starting to come from the crown, which is what you want. You want to see some new growth. Yeah. Well, I think it's really having trouble because through the summer it lives on the front porch Mm -hmm. which faces east. Mm -hmm. And the only place I can put it in the winter is at the back of the house and the light's coming from the west. (laughs) So it's not getting near the, the light that it's used to. Well, that's right, except usually our western location is a pretty bright one as the sun goes down, unless you've got a tree or a house or something there blocking the light. Yeah. Well, it does get it does get the afternoon light, but we have a pergola out the back. Oh, okay. So, so that's that does shade shading it, it quite a bit. It's, it's truly pot-bound, too, <laughs> and, um, so I guess that should be done in the spring. I would, exactly, because I would to, to repot it now is to add another stress. Right. So what I would do is I would wait, let it get, you know, sort of stabilized to your indoor environment. Okay. Don't hesitate to get out your little mister and mist it. <clears throat> just to keep the humidity levels up. Okay. And, and I can tell, I could just see the little cogs in Frank's head turning there. Artificial light is always a consideration. Oh. A uh, grow light? A grow light, uh, or even just an interior fluorescent light can make a difference. Just if you're feeling that part of what's going on is the light levels have dropped so dramatically, don't hesitate to use some artificial light to, okay. to bump up the light levels. Alrighty. Okay. Super. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Alrighty. Thanks for sharing part of your weekend with us here on The Garden Show. Charlie Dobbin and Frank Proctor here with you at uh, 920, and I am already starting to do my exercises, <laughs> even before I looked over at Charlie, <laughs> because I, this is her cue to start <laughs> He's talking. He's my, my and, cue guy. Yeah, I am the cue guy. I'm a, I'm a human cue card, is what I am. <laughs> cue ball. <laughs> cue ball. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so what Frank is referring to when he's talking about exercises, he's talking about something that he and I both take, which is Sierra Sill. It's a mineral supplement. It helps keep us limber and doing our exercises in a pain-free way. Um, Sierra Sill is available over the internet at sierrasill.ca. It's available at many natural food stores. Uh, In Woodbridge, you can go to Good Health Mart on Maycroft Avenue. In um, Kensington Market in the Chinatown area here in downtown Toronto, Essence of Life 
55 Kensington Market carries CRSL. So you can, you know, talk to people in the store, read the labels, consider the purchase that way, or give them a call. The people there are great. They will answer any of your questions and and explain how the product works if you have anything, you know, you need to know. one eight seven seven joint 14 There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. And your sous chef of the garden, Franklin Proctor, here with the phone numbers (laughs) 416-360-0740. You stop making me laugh. We're giggling because Frank said something just made no sense at all. Well, what was it anyway? It it had to do with Roman numerals. It has to do with my homework that I'm going to report on, Aspergillus flavus. Also and, known as, you know, the Caesar of Rome or something. You know, we were just laughing because it's like so Romanesque. And I said it Roman sounds numerals. like Roman numerals. It just made no sense at all. Anyway, what you had to be here. one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Anywhere in the province, that is toll free. Now, let's get along on the line here to Oakville and have a chat with Pal. Hi, Pal. Good morning. Hi. Morning. Hi. How are you? Great. Good. I want to know when's the right time to... Uh, cut a mature hedge and a mature wisteria vine. Okay, so the, is the hedge a deciduous hedge or a, an evergreen hedge? Meaning, does it drop its leaves? It or? drops its leaves. Okay, so it's, it's pro- probably about 15 feet high oh, between wow. houses. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. But I just want to shape it. I don't want to bring it right down. Your best time to trim um, any hedge whether it's evergreen or deciduous, actually, if we're just talking a tidy up, is when it's actively growing. And it will be actively growing typically in the Oakville area in late May or any time in June. Okay, so do that in the spring. Do it then, yeah, so late spring, early summer. So what you're doing is you're going to take off a lot of the new growth that's starting to emerge, but those blunt ends that you leave behind will be quickly covered up by new growth. Okay. Right? And you don't go uh, straight across, right? Is it a pointed... uh, Kind of a rounded effect on top of the hedge. Frank's Frank's seeing your hedge for you. Yes, the shape of the hedge is very important. Flat tops we never recommend because you catch snow and wet ice, you know, that kind of heavy material. So you're absolutely right, Frank. Rounded top is excellent because that will help shed uh, material that might drop on top. The other important thing with hedges is always remember you want it narrower at the top and wider at the bottom. Not the other way around. We have a tendency to have them narrow at the bottom and wide at the top. And the reason you want to do that is the top, if the top is narrower, then it doesn't shade at the bottom, and you'll have green leaves right down to the ground level if the sun can get through to the, to the lower limbs of your hedge. Okay. Okay. And a wisteria, you asked? Yeah, wisteria, a really <clears throat> fast-growing, mature wisteria. Yeah, they take some serious pruning twice a year, typically. Mm-hmm. First time is in about June, where you cut everything back to half of what it was, like what's grown. Right. A lot of cutting back. And then again, uh, we usually will go in in July or August uh, and, again, go back on all that new growth and cut it back to two buds, to the okay, second bud. Okay, so don't do anything now. Nope, nothing now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Before I go, pal, uh, is that a nickname or is, is that well, your given name? name. Your well, given name. Palmina. Palmina. Oh, that's pretty. pretty. Yeah. Yeah, Palmina. Oh, okay. Thanks for your call. Okay. Very good. Bye. Arrivederci. All righty. <laughs> 927. I know. It's, uh, uh, Val is online here from Guildwood. Let's say good morning to Val and welcome her to the show. Hi. 
Merry Christmas, Charlie. Thank you, Val. Good morning. <laughs> I'm just saying that because my Christmas cactus is in full bloom. Excellent. And then that's in the solarium. And then outside the window, the petunias have decided to come back into bloom again. Oh, nice. Hanging basket. So have you ever known a year like this? Well, I guess you haven't had a, a killing frost. No, I guess I, I didn't take them out of the basket. And I'm very happy now because they're looking at me with little faces. That's great. Yes, that's I'm so lovely. happy, and I think, well, my God, here it is, November. I know, and they'll be, today is perfect. I mean, you're going to end up with even more flowers by the end yes, of today. No, it's just so strange, isn't it? The, the weather is so strange, because we did have a frost here, but obviously it not was, a killing frost. Exactly, it was just a light frost, because the same at my house, I've had a, a number of very light frosts, yeah. but my, you know, my peony leaves haven't dropped, for example. They're all still standing up, so I've had, I'm in Richmond Hill, so I'm cooler than you are down yeah. near the lake. Yeah. But even the, the frosts I have haven't been so extreme to just knock everything right off. I've no, still got lots of leaves. The wagelias in bloom. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you for a wonderful program. Um, our pleasure. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. And uh, boy, the calls are coming in from near and far. We've got a call in here from Mississauga. Hopeton on the line. Good morning, Hopeton. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Better turn your radio down. Good morning. There we there are. We are. Okay. <laughs> What's going on in your garden, Hopeton? I just want a quick question. Is it too early to mound my roses? It probably is. Are you're probably similar to our last caller. You've had some frost, but not a real heavy killing frost yet. Yeah, okay. That you've got to wait till the roses have really, really gone dormant. And I'll tell you, with 12 degrees, nothing's going dormant. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you cover your roses too early, you'll actually keep them warm. And they'll, they'll prolong them becoming dormant. So hold off on your roses. It's got to be cold and preferably freezing rain and hurricane force winds, horrible weather. That's when we cover our roses. Okay, thank you. Sorry sorry about that, Hopeton. I know it'd be nice to cover the roses in this nice weather, wouldn't it? I'd love to do that. But no, it'll be another couple weeks, maybe a month. Yeah. Okay, Charlie Dobbin and Frank Proctor along here on a Saturday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Have a a great day as we welcome John as well from Mississauga to the line. Good morning, John. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Excellent. Uh, Charlie, uh, I don't know if I done the right thing. Uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago, um, I took out, you know I cleaned up my garden, my tomatoes and everything and all that. Uh-huh. And um, I already put uh, cow manure. I went to a place here and I bought half a dozen, you know, and uh, put manure and I already turned the soil. Is that a good idea? It's or great. Oh no, it's great. It's perfect. The oh. ca- the cow manure you bought was composted. It was the bagged stuff, yeah, obviously. Yeah, some bags, yeah. Oh from, yeah, it's you great. Know, from anyway, from Canadian Tire. Sure. No, no, it's perfect. That's the best thing to do because the, the you know you don't even need to mix that manure in. You just put it right on the surface. Uh-huh. Uh, the worms, the the uh, snow, everything's going to kind of the freezing and the thawing. That will all kind of get nicely mixed in for you. It's a, it's the best time by far. It gets okay, that soil so ready now, for next now, spring. Now the second question that I'm doing in the garden is, mm-hmm. and I've been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, I was, um, uh, anyway, I was in Australia this January, and my cousin, who is, um, has a big orchard and all that, mm-hmm. and uh, see, uh, as you know, this year was very bad for fruits, mm-hmm. and I have 10 fruit trees in my, in my yard, mm-hmm. um, and the apples, I just picked all my apples last week, and I only, out of six bushels of apples, I only have maybe one bushel that it's decent, right. you know, they're all disordered, and um, he said that don't bury 
See, I bury all the all the fruits that they are either eaten by the squirrels or, or that they are deformed. Mm-hmm. I make a trench and I uh, I put them in the garden, mm-hmm. and bury them back. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Well, okay, so he brings up a good point. It, it depends. Honestly, look, the, the reason why we would consider our apples inedible would be, number one, insects have gotten inside and tunneled and, and you know, made a mess of them. The other thing would be diseases have caused deformity and, and rot and all kinds of things. By keeping those apples on the property, even buried, you potentially keep the, the spores or insects on the property that have caused the problem. So there is a good argument for not keeping those things on the property, for actually putting them into the paper bags and putting them at the end of the driveway and let the the, um, city of Mississauga do the composting of those for you. Mm -hmm. The other thing to consider, if you have fruit trees and for anybody that has fruit trees, dormant spray is that oil, lime, sulfur, and water mix that we spray traditionally in the spring. Uh But because, as you point out, we had such a bad growing year, so cold and so rainy this past spring, don't hesitate to use that dormant spray today, this fall, on your oh, fruit it, trees. It, even now, yep. Charlie, right? Yep, and today's now. actually a brilliant day because it's well above zero. As long as there's no wind, uh, you could certainly use that dormant spray today and then again use it next spring again. Yeah, but uh, we, still, we still have leaves on the, on the apple trees, right? Yeah, but the leaves you have there now are of, are of no real import. They're going to drop. As soon as we get some low enough temperatures, they're going to drop off anyway. Mm. You're, you're, I would consider your apples virtually dormant like I wouldn't be concerned that uh, dormant spray would be inappropriate with some leaves there now the way we would think that in May or June because those are young tender leaves these are pretty old tough leaves you've got there now so don't worry about them being there but not a bad idea to spray get right in and get the stems and branches and trunk I don't do it today I'll I I will do it next week or this week or like you said though because it's uh, I'm looking here it's kind of windy yeah um so unless I could have waked up earlier but well, yes, e- even I would take your advice and, and do the dormant oil this time and, and in the spring. That's right. And tomorrow's going to be 11 degrees, so tomorrow has potential as well. The trick with dormant spray is we want it to be above zero. We don't want it to rain within 24 hours, and we prefer very little wind because that way we're not spraying back on ourselves or yeah, having yeah. it blow back on ourselves. It's yeah. You end up smelling like rotten eggs if you uh, have it blow back uh, on you. When I, listen, when I spray with dormant oil, I'll mm. tell you, those clothes and myself, mm. as soon as I come in, you know, those clothes go right into the wash. I so bet they I'll do. Bet. You know? <laughs> strip Thanks outside. I appreciate Sally and Frank and uh, great, great job. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thanks, John, for joining the show here. Uh, it's hard to believe when you look at the thermometer outside that it's uh, November 12th, but mm-hmm. it is. And folks are calling with all sorts of interesting questions here this mm-hmm. morning. I wonder what's on Alice's mind in Pickering. Hello, Alice. Welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Morning. Hi, I have a, a plant. It was given to me as a gift about 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't even know the name of it until a couple of years ago, and apparently it's a ponytail plant. I think probably it's what they would call a ponytail palm. It's got a big round, almost like a huge bulb. That's right. uh And then long, like a big hair, hair, ponytail coming out of the top, long skinny Uh skinny, uh, leaves. Yep. And it's interesting. I would describe it as like a big... Like a big coconut with all these green leaves. It's almost like a palm, as you say, it's a palm coming yeah, right out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I kept changing the pot, uh-huh. changing the pot. It's in this pot that it's in now, mm-hmm. and very heavy to move. Mm. And I just noticed that the roots are kind of coming up through the 
From the top or through the bottom? Through the top. Mm-hmm. Like I know there's only about a, truthfully, there's only about an inch and a half of soil that I can see round the pot, you know. Well, that's actually the right way to to have those growing. The trick with a ponytail palm, and actually I'm going to just, after we finish, I'll, for those of you who need to know the Latin name, I don't have it at the t- tip of my tongue, but I will get that in a second. The uh-huh. um, You do want to have it looking pot-bound, which is what you've got. Ah. You want that big bulbous stem to literally only have an inch to an inch and a half of, uh-huh. of um, space between the uh-huh. edge of the bulb or the you know that big sort of tubery looking thing and the pot edge. Uh-huh. That is the healthiest, happiest environment for them. Oh. And what people tend to do is they think it's time to repot and they jump the plant up into a pot that's too, so much too big, you know, mm-hmm. where there's masses of space, the poor little plant goes into shock and kind of stops growing for a year or two. Oh, okay. So what you've got going on there is fine. Um, of course, if you do feel that you need to repot it because it's starting to look, you know, there's just roots will start coming out the bottom as well. Mm-hmm. Next spring would be the time to do it. But of course, you would only go up a size two inches bigger mm-hmm. than what your current pot size is now. But See, it's almost like stand with the leaves and all. It's well over five feet. Mm-hmm. They're the, well, 20 years. You've had it for 20 years. It's been growing that whole time. They get tall and they get wide. And I've, whenever I've had them, I use them, usually have them on some kind of a pedestal because uh-huh. the leaves go well down beyond the, the bottom of the pot. That's right. They hang down. They hang right down. It's a, really, it's a very neat plant. It's an unusual plant. It's fun. And you only have to water them but once every six months. So oh, they're even nice that way. It because I water it with you know just the tea that's left in mm-hmm. the teapot yep yep that's what I want it likes that so I only have to water it like yours because I've been watering it maybe at least twice a week oh gosh but just with tiny maybe bits it's not a lot of tea I'm not watering it a lot because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of soil right well and of course you have a saucer so that and, and it's in a pot with drainage right uh-huh. So the trick with a plant like that is do, I mean, it's all right to give it the little bits, you know, a couple of teaspoons here and there, but every now and then give it a proper watering so that the water actually drains right through into the saucer okay. below, uh-huh. and then it will slowly be absorbed back up. And do that about once a month, once every six weeks, where you just give it a thorough watering. It might be a cup or two or four or six of water to, to actually thoroughly saturate the soil, because that is important every now and then. Oh. Okay. I'm glad I called you. It's a healthy plant. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great, though. Because the person that gave gave it to me died. So, you know, you kind of feel, oh, I have to keep this plant. That's right. Alive. That's right. It happens. And you've done a great job. 20 well, keep, years. Keep oh, feeding okay. that little Earl Grey every day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very, very much. All right. Have a great day, Alice. Thanks. You too. Thank you. you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye now. 9.38 our time here on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. It's the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. And Charlie wanted to interject something here. Yes, is that all right? May I do that? You certainly may. It's your (laughs) show. You can do what you want. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, Okay. I had some homework. Do you remember last week Jan in Guelph? Uh, wondered about Aspergillus flavus oh, yeah. in houseplants. Mm. She had heard sort of amongst some friends that this this was a very deadly uh, fungus and perhaps houseplants should not be allowed inside our homes because of this whole issue of Aspergillus flavus. Well, okay, so I did some homework on this and it is a very common mold uh, or fungus in the environment. It more, more often causes storage problems in stored grains um, it's a very common on corn and peanuts mm-hmm. in storage, as well as water-damaged carpets. 
It is one of the several species of mold known to produce aflatoxin, and you've heard of aflatoxin because that is a toxin, uh, in which aflatoxin causes acute hepatitis, uh, immunosuppression, and hepatocellular carcinoma, which is obviously what Jan was hearing yeah. about. So now you're wow. going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. All right. But keep in mind, Aspergillus flavus is rarely found indoors in northern climates. It's more commonly found, if it is found indoors, in southern climates where it needs heat. It is a, it is a mold that is happiest at about 100 degrees Fahrenheit, or sorry, Fahrenheit, sorry. Um, so the one thing is it has been isolated from the soil of houseplants in the northern climates, but that's the only place it's ever been found. So... My suggestion is do not give up on houseplants. My suggestion is have houseplants. Make sure that you do repot at least every couple of years with fresh potting soil, your houseplants. Wash your hands after handling any soil in your houseplants. Um, and recognize that, the, you know, obviously cost-benefit thing, but the benefits of houseplants are huge, whether it's oxygen being added to your world, carbon dioxide being removed from your world, all kinds of pollutants and, and um, you know, tiny particles mm-hmm. being absorbed by those houseplants, not to mention just the quality of life of having the, the, you know, those immeasurable quality and value of greenery in our homes. Very important. So, yes, it, it's very slight possibility of Aspergillus flavus in your houseplant soil, but wash your hands. General, you bring a, a good point. The benefits of having plant life in the home with the, you know, uh, providing more oxygen. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I'm just thinking of one area in our, our apartment building, mm-hmm. for instance, the hallway that you walk down toward get the elevator, it's just dead air in there. Mm-hmm. And there should be some circulatory thing happening. Well, if it doesn't happen then, what about having some plants along the way to provide oxygen for that area? Would that be a... It's possible, but usually yeah. hallways are too narrow and things would get yeah. all banged and brushed and broken. Um, the other thing is they tend to be very, very dark. So yeah, a, uh, a living plant typically would like some amount of light. But often, I mean, depending on the design, mm-hmm. I, you, you certainly are. I've been in situations where, where the elevators come together. It, there's a wind there because there's elevators on both sides uh, so yes long narrow halls with kind of like you say yeah, dead air yeah. but at least when you get to the elevators there is a spot where there's a big some kind of a large green tropical plant usually of a low light like a dracaena or uh, you know defumbachia mm-hmm. some of the plants that can can cope with low light conditions just trying to yeah clean up the air a bit and make it a better place there you go. But, you know, this actually makes a really nice segue. I had a, I had a great email from Greg Gillespie. I just want to say thank you. He he sent an email with some photographs attached. He, he is a hibiscus king, obviously. <laughs> um, he bought uh, hibiscus, the tropical plant, had it out on the porch, brought it in. You know, no buds the whole time it was outside on the porch all summer. And, you know, as a green plant, he's bringing in in the fall. But, of course, it seems like as soon as he brings them into his house, they burst into flowers like crazy. So wow. he now has, he's got two hibiscus on the go, covered in flowers inside. And he, he, claim, he said he's been doing this for the last couple of years. And he's looking forward to the winter because he says, this is what, this is my winter. I'm surrounded by beautiful hibiscus flowers and this lovely green plants and it's just so simple you know i just they're out all summer they come in all winter and they beautify my indoor space well good for him sent me pictures so he's doing something very right so good for you greg and thanks for the photos very good and we must take a little bit of a break here we shall return in moments to the charlie dobbin garden show here at am 740 friends say she's down to earth and that's usually where you'll find her 
Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And we're comparing cat notes, actually, as the commercials were being aired there. Well, because I just remembered uh, the ponytail palm question yeah. we were just discussing with our last caller, Alice. Uh, the proper name for anybody who wants to look up ponytail palm is Beau Carnia. So Beau as in the French, B-E-A-U, mm-hmm. and then Carnia, C-A-R. N-E-A. That's the, the proper genus. Um, Recurvata is the species. It's kind of a funny plant because it, um, and I just remembered while I was showing Frank the picture and, and the name, it's uh, the plume, like, okay, so if you, I keep it for long enough, the swollen bulb-like base stores water, so occasional dryness at the roots will do no harm, but the plume of long strap-like leaves gives the plant its common name. Uh, so it's a, it's a kind of a neat plant, but then I just suddenly remembered, I had one, and the reason I got rid of it is because my cat used to just like a little beaver reach up on her hind legs and then chew all the bottom of these long skinny leaves off. So it, the, the plant ended up looking nuts because it, it didn't have the proper length <laughs> yeah. to the leaves. They were all chewed off a blunt edged, you know, chewed off at this certain height that the cat could reach. So I went, got, you know, composter for that plant. And exactly. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Take that out of the cat's domain. Those cats, man, they just I always know. move. Well, if it's not the squirrels messing around, it's the cats, right? <laughs> telling Charlie that my cat Dickens has taken to loving this just a plastic stick, and he lays on it and waits for me to play with him, but he'll just lay on that stick and look at me and go, well, come on, yeah. let's go. Let's you know? play with my stick. He doesn't, yeah. like, carry it around or anything. No, well, yeah, he, he has picked it up and moved it from one area to the other, but yeah. it's weird. Yeah, weird. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know, he's my cat. Uh, let's see. Let's say hi to Ken in Scarborough. Hello, Ken. Welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, Charlie, we're having a problem with our house plants. Mm-hmm. With uh, small flies, we thought they were fruit flies, but mm-hmm. these things, uh, we put out traps uh, around the plants, and we were collecting a, a swarm of them, but still <laughs> seems to be more. What kind of traps did you put out? We put uh, little jars with apple juice and a bit of laundry, to, a bit of uh, dishwashing soap. Okay, so that will work for fruit flies, but uh-huh. what you have is not fruit flies. Okay. What you have, and you'll know this for sure, if you go to the plants where you're seeing these fruit fly-like little tiny insects flying around, with the palm of your hand, bang the side of the pot, right. and you should see a cloud of little tiny, they're actually gnats, gnats flying up, and they are commonly called fungus gnats, uh-huh. and they are living in the soil, uh, eating the fungus is what they do, right. and they, um, once they, adults, so what happens is the little larvae, or tiny, tiny little worms, eat the, the fungus, then they move to the next part of their life cycle, which is an adult gnat flying around, and of course the gnats are looking for a great place to lay eggs to continue this whole story. Your job is to minimize places for them to lay eggs, and you do that by uh, l- watering less, let your plants dry down more than they have been, Right. unless for some reason these are plants that need to be kept moist at all times. Right. Generally, most house plants can be dried down fairly dry between waterings. Right. So that will lessen your fungus, which will lessen your population because the food um, uh, availability will go down. Right. The other thing I use for a trap is something you can find at your garden center or a home store. Frank, do you stick, remember what it's? Some sort of yeah. stick, right? Sticky sticks. Right. Sticky? Yeah. yeah, sticky like the word sticky and then sticks, S-T-I-X. 
sticky sticks. Yep, and it's just yellow, which is attractive to the gnats. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think there's any pheromones in these yellow uh, pieces of paper, but they're very, very sticky, and they've got little stakes. You pop a couple of these in and around the area where you've got the fungus gnat problem, and those adult flies are attracted to the yellow, and just like flypaper, they'll fly into it, and then they can't get away. And then they can't lay eggs. Exactly, uh-huh. and you, you then break the cycle. So you can eliminate the fungus gnats over a period of time by doing those two things. That's great. It might we'll take you two weeks, but they should be all gone. That's great. We'll give it a try. Thank you very much for your hope, Charlie. You're welcome, Thanks, Ken. Ken. Thanks, for, for joining call. the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. Coming up to 9.50, and I'm just going to start doing my push-ups. Push-ups. Oh, yes. <laughs> Frank, Frank's the kickboxer, two, and, you know, he five, couldn't two, be doing these push-ups three, the way he is <laughs> if he didn't take his Sierra cell. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking you're a back. break. Yeah, you're not even panting. Go ahead. Uh, I, you're in good shape. I am. I am. That was very, very impressive. <laughs> so Frank takes Sierra Cell as do I, which is how I go out and do the kind of gardening I do, and Frank does the kind of push-ups he does. Sierra Cell is a very completely natural mineral supplement. Take it once a day, three pills every time, lots of water, and we find we don't have sore joints. We can sit at our computer for a couple hours and get up and not be in any kind of pain, and we can do sit-ups without, you know, groaning too much afterwards. <laughs> oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> so Sierra Sil is something that is available locally at uh, several health food stores, which I can just... The peanut Mill in St. Catharines. There you go. You mm-hmm. remembered that one, the Peanut Mill in St. Catharines, Ambrosia, Natural Foods mm-hmm. on Young Street in Newmarket, even the Whole Foods on Cornwall Street in Oakville. So the... Available in health food stores, available over the web, sierrasil.ca, or by phone, one joint 14 Broadway's hit musical, Mary Poppins, is now on stage in Toronto. You went, wow, that was, that was something that only Disney can do. The New York Post calls it a certifiable super hit. Even I went, how'd they do that? Variety Raves, Mary Poppins is that rare touring production that over-delivers at every level. It gives you permission to have fun again. Disney and Cameron McIntosh present Mary Poppins, now through January 8th. The magic begins at Mervish.com. Do you know what I'm worth? I'd only be guessing. And that's my point, son. As my executor, you need to know the real value of my properties, not hazard a guess. Have you asked your accountant? She's an expert. But in this case, not the right expert. To know the real value of a property, you need an independent third-party valuation by professionally designated members of the Appraisal Institute of Canada, Ontario. Get an appraiser working for you. Contact appraiser.aicanada.ca. Weekends come alive in a doorway city of lights and model trains as Doorways to the Holidays returns. An annual tradition at Royal Botanical Gardens. This year promises over 100 doors decorated for the holidays. Doors that lead to Santa and his reindeer. Escape to paradise through one of the cleverly themed decorated doors at Royal Botanical Gardens. Begins November 26th in Burlington. Visit rbg.ca for details. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And let's say hi to uh, Eleanor in Etobicoke calling in. Good morning, Eleanor. Good morning. Morning. Uh, I'm calling about my oleanders, and they're in a dormant stage right now in the locker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never had a single bloom on them this year. Okay, when did you put them in the locker? Hello? Hello, when did you put them in the locker? 
uh, about a month ago. A month ago. Okay. But, and I cut them back last year and had lots of new growth, but no flowers. All right. Uh, the one reason why oleander sometimes doesn't flower, for people that are wondering what oleander is, it's a tropical plant that is... Um, Number one, always remember it's poisonous. But number two, it is very easy plant to have as a house plant and an outdoor plant in the summer. It oh. loves it, it. The way to help it flower is let it really dry between waterings during the growing season when you've got it out on your balcony. Uh-huh. Don't keep it constantly wet. It's something that really needs to dry down between waterings. And, and did you fertilize it at all last year? Yeah, yes, with that miracle grow. Oh, you did? Okay. And did you do that very often or, or just once um, a month? Well, or? every two or three weeks. Hmm, okay. I'm surprised it didn't put out any blooms. So, so you saw a lot of new growth, but not a lot of blooms. Uh-huh. Well, I guess, honestly, similar to many of the tropical plants, hibiscus does this to us as well. They grow like stink all summer, lots of green leaves, lots of happy growth, no flowers until the very end of the season. So unfortunately, if, if you had been able to bring it into your apartment rather than putting it into a dormant state in the locker, you probably would, would have blooms on it as we speak. But it's likely that that's what happened. It was just getting to the blooming point with all that new growth, and then it, it went. you had to put it away. Should I, cut it, should I cut it back again this year because the center stalk is almost as thick as a broom handle. Yes, yeah, and you're going to need a, almost a saw or a strong pair of locker, loppers. But uh-huh. yes, don't hesitate to bring that plant right down to about, you know, two feet tall and take out the oldest growth first. And for sure, that center stem is very, very big and old. It's just woody. You'll never get a lot of growth off of the older woody woody bits. So cut that back. Cut that right down and the other, other branches mm-hmm. bring them down as well. And again, you have lots of new growth. Do what you did, but if you can possibly uh, keep it going past mid-October, I think you'll find next year you will see some flowers. Oh, and a friend wanted to start when in, is it better started in water or earth? Either. Like she had a branch. Of yeah, it. either will work, but the best time to be doing that cutting and, and rooting of a cutting off of the plant is in May or June. Oh, Okay, you won't get any roots off of cuttings now. The The plant is is slowed right down, and it's very hard to get any plant to root at this point. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thank you. And let's get to Jan calling in from Guelph. I recognize this name. Yes. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Thank you very much, Charlie, for your homework on that, uh, <laughs> what is it, Aspergillus flavus? Yes. Uh, I really appreciate it. I know the show's ending, so I'll be quick. Could you give me your email address again? Oh, absolutely. And I will email you, because I know how the conversation originated now, and I have a question. Oh, okay. Perfect. So anybody wants to email questions, photographs, good stories, sad money. stories, yeah, money, <laughs> food, anything like that, my email is cdobbin, so C D O. B B I N at AM seven forty dot C A. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jan. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Have a good weekend. All right. Look forward to having a chat with you then. Okay. Uh, Thank you. You have another email or two there, do you? I Uh, do, yes. I just get stuff coming in all the time. All right. This is from Rose Cohen. Busy, busy, busy. (laughs) 
You're so great. So Rose Cohen says, I have one of those plants you see in corridors, in office buildings. This is ah, what you need. Right. Silvery leaves with darker green markings. I think it's called a Chinese evergreen. And she's right. That mm-hmm. is the common name of a plant whose proper name is aglonemia. Anyway, maybe 14 inches tall and the stems are very weak. So it doesn't, if it doesn't have support, the branch will tip right over like a hanging plant. It doesn't support its own weight. Any ideas? More fertilizer, less fertilizer, more water, less water, or is it the nature of the plant? I love your program. All right, Rose, here's the, here's the, the word on this. And you can imagine what's going on here. She's got it in super low light. Obviously, it's very soft, weak growth. And, of course, she's probably doing the right thing, not overwatering the plant, but it's ending up top-heavy and, uh, you know, the soil dries down and the bottom ends up so light. So a couple of things I would suggest. See if you can give it a little more light. Get it into a brighter spot. You'll find it won't be quite as as, uh, limp and um, soft growth as you're seeing. So the other thing about this plant is it does like like to be kept consistently moist. So a little more moisture. Don't let it dry to the point of desert-like conditions. Water a little more often than that. So um, best temperature is just regular room temperature. Mm -hmm. Easy plant. The other trick with this plant is no drafts. It does not like to be in a cold spot where near a door or near a window. Um, it does not want to be in less than 55 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's why that's the one thing with aglonemia or Chinese evergreen. Keep it above 55. Keep it consistently moist. And and one suggestion would be um, sometimes when I have plants that are big and tall and seem a bit on the top heavy por- um, bit, I get a heavy pot. Just get a heavy terracotta pot rather than a plastic pot so that even when it is fairly dry, at least it's got that weight attached to the, to the bottom and it won't tip over. You know, I always learn something if, if, from the garden show. I really do. Uh, next time I'm, I have to call in sick, uh, I'm going to tell the boss, oh, I just think I've got to touch aglomenia. You know? <laughs> aglomenia. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not that bad, but I don't want to spread it around. You know? I've been told to stay out of drafts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and to stay consistently moist. <laughs> so me and my bottle of rum are staying home. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I like your doctrine. I like your doctrine. Uh, Charlie, we're just about out of a racetrack here. And um, I just want to say what a pleasure it has been once again. Yes, thank to, you uh, for your sous-chefability. David Gaskin, of course, our marvelous producer. He's the best. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and. Very very well paid, too. Uh, but <laughs> So I hear. <laughs> yes. Uh, we shall return again next week. I'm we, going to be... Uh, and you're back in an hour, actually. Yeah, yeah. You got uh, something exciting going after on? After Dave's, Dave's Corner Garage. Yep. Uh, oh, I do, actually. They've got a wonderful... I'm going to be talking to Alex Mustakis, who is the AD, Artistic Director of uh, Drayton uh, Theater Projects. Mm-hmm. They've several theaters around, but they're putting on a huge benefit for all the folks in the uh, Godridge area. Remember oh, that great. tornado that came yeah, through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's coming on on the twentieth. So Alex will be on the show about eleven fifteen to talk nice. about that. Good to and, hear. Uh, oh, no, it's going to be a great, great do, and and it certainly help a lot of people out. All right. Well, good luck with that. Thank you for all your support, and Dave. Thanks to all our great callers. See everybody next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, 
and The Garden Show.